powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Takes over, taking over, taking over. Tis my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me Shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. If you would flip to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Verse number four. It says, surely. He's speaking in the affirmative here. He's saying so that there's no doubt about it. I want you to know that surely. Say surely. He has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Meaning, God says, I've set this up so you have no reason to feel sorry for yourself. I've set this up so you have no reason to be grieving over stuff. He says, surely, shout it, say, surely. He has borne or taken away our griefs and carried away our sorrows. One more place, go to Psalm chapter 10. One more place, Psalm chapter 10. Psalm 10, not Psalms 10. Psalm 10. The 10th division of the Psalms. The 10th Psalm. Psalm 10. This will make sure your neighbor got it. Verse 14, you got it? Now, this is the most potent verse verse you're going to look at today. Look at this. But you have seen, the you is God. It says, but you, God, have seen, for you observe trouble and grief. Meaning God says, there's nothing you've gone through I haven't been looking at and taken account of. There's nothing that people have done to you that I ain't been looking at. There's nothing that you've experienced that I haven't been looking at. And look what he says, to repay it by your hand. Okay, let, let me translate because you're missing it. God says, for all of the grief and trouble that you did experience and you have experienced, I'm going to make you a promise that with my hand, I'm going to pay you back. Which means every tear that I had to cry, every situation I had to go through, every time I had to be let down, every time I had to be betrayed, the promise of God is I will repay you. I just think there's a few people that you've said, I, I, I'm waiting on my repayment. Matter of fact, I'm waiting on my check. I, I'm, 
I, all the grief I've been through, all the nights I had to cry, all of the hell I had to endure. God says, not Bishop, not Bishop. God says, I'll repay you by my hand. Father, you hear me and you always hear me. And I pray that over these next few moments as your word is disseminated, I pray that you would do what only you could do, which is take human words, God, but take them and make them spirit. Your word says that your words are spirit and they bring life. Father, let these words of spirit bring life to every person at every campus today. And I pray that as they hear these words, Father, that their lives would be transformed and changed. Customize, tailor make this so that they would think we had a camera crew following them the whole week. Show them that you are more than just 66 books in, 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 in a Bible. Show them that you are more than fairy tales. Show them that you are more than stories. Show them today you got the power to use a human being to speak so prolifically to their life that they can't deny they've been in the presence of Jesus. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hug two or three people as you take your seats and say grief recovery, grief Grief recovery, grief recovery. Uh, hear me, this teaching may not be for everyone today, but it is for everyone someday, and it is especially for the person whose today is not what they want it to be. So, so, so as you're hearing this today, I want you just for a moment, as we dive into this, I want you to just for a moment assume you've paid $250 up front for the first hour of therapy. See, when you pay for stuff, you treasure stuff. So, so I want you to assume that you've done that now because we're getting ready to go on a therapeutic trip that is getting ready to take you to a place called freedom. Getting ready to take you to a place where there is no more grief, there is no more sorrow, but you're walking in the joy of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, 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 so you know what you do if you've ever been to therapy. You, you go in and they ask, they talk in a very calm, subtle, soothing voice because we do not want to disturb you. We do not want to speak with great inflections because in those inflections, we may arise an emotion that we're not yet ready to deal with. So we speak in a very calm and deep voice so that we can now get into the very depth of your soul and begin to extract the things that are making you act like what you were not created to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you just get on the couch. The waterfall is trickling. The air is soothing. The jazz is playing. And we're getting ready to have some recovery. Touch your neighbor, say grief recovery. Grief, grief, grief or grieving is our natural response to loss. As human beings, whenever we experience any kind of loss, our natural response to it is the process of grief, uh, which is grieving. Loss could be the loss of a loved one or being diagnosed with a chronic or a terminal disease or it can be disability from an accident or an illness or it can be a divorce or knowing that you're in a relationship that's going to end that way anyhow. That can cause you grief. It, it can be from a breakup with a partner that you engaged in premarital sex with and you now have a false spiritual marriage that you're trying to convince your soul that it's not real yet your soul is trying to tell you that it is real and so now you are dealing with grief it could be from a miscarriage or 
a stillbirth. It could be from the birth of a child with a defect. It could be from being diagnosed with infertility. Grief can come from learning that your child has a behavior problem and they are acting like Freddy Cougar and Jason and Mikey Myers. And so now you're grieving because you're trying to understand how did I give birth to that? And so then you have, you have grief that comes from, from a move from a familiar place or grief that comes from a job loss or an inability to produce substantial income. And now you feel like less than a man because you're unable to produce that which you feel like you ought to be able to do. And so you're grieving. And so you're mad at, at the fact that you can't produce, but you take it out on your wife. And so you're grieving. You, 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 when you lose independence, you're grieving. You grieve when an act of violence or a natural disaster happens to you. You grieve when your children, when you learn that they have not only a behavior problem, but a learning disability or a substance abuse disorder. Grief comes in because now there is a loss. And whenever there is a loss, your body's natural response is grief. Grief, grief is a paradox. Grief is, grief is a paradox because many times you can find yourselves grieving about things that are seemingly positive. It's interesting because clinically when we treat people that, that have grief, uh, many times grief can come from things that are good. People can grieve, for instance, from the birth of a child because uh, everybody else is celebrating and happy. But to that parent, they're thinking, oh, my God, I've lost all my independence. My life is now waking up in the morning and feeding them, going to bed at night and feeding them, taking them in the car seat and strapping them in and all of this. And that. I've lost myself because when you become a parent, whether God they teach you this or not, when you become a parent, you now lose the ability to have your own life your life now for the next 18 years is wrapped up tied up tangled up in them and so you can grieve over that and you treat them poorly because you're grieving you do nothing but speak to them when it's time to discipline them because you're grieving them and you're holding them responsible for your loss of independence am i talking to anybody i'm telling you we're gonna get some stuff handled in here today but that's supposed to be a good thing. Grief, it's a paradox. A paradox is two conflicting things speaking about the same thing. It, 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 it's a paradox because you can grieve when you, are, when you get married. Marriage can, can, cause, can cause grief because you're losing your own independence. And now you can't stay out all night because now you got to cook. And so she acts men like a battle axe and she only acts that way because she's grieving and doesn't know how to quantify her grief. Y'all aren't going to say anything, obviously. <laughs> Marriage can, can cause grief and, and people can begin grieving and, and it's supposed to be happy and we just came off of a honeymoon and all of these great things are going on but I'm grieving because the truth is is that you've stolen something from me but I've stolen something from you and together we got a mess because we're grieving. Grief, grief can come if you're starting college, if you're, if you're starting college and, and, and you're going away for college, you're, you're losing the comfort of your home and familiar surroundings and friends that you know, and you're starting in a new place. And so you're grieving. And so you're acting very uh, uncharacteristic for yourself, but because you're grieving, you don't even know it. Grief is unique because it will make you do things that you do not even know that you're doing. Until someone interrupts the cycle and saying, hey, what's your problem here? Uh, that is a southern colloquialism phrase that simply means, what is your boggle? Uh, grief, it's a paradox. It's a paradox. You can grieve when you're retiring and you're 
are maturing and you begin to lose your physical strength and you used to have a six pack, now you got an eight pack, then your eight pack turned into a cube and now it's just... You're losing your loofful appearance, and so you're grieving now because all of a sudden now you're, every time you go to the barber, he has to keep going further and further and further back, and you're trying to save that little bit that you got, and, but you're grieving because you're maturing, and you cannot deal with the loss of something that you identified with yourself. It's a paradox. It's a paradox because maturing is a good thing, but yet grief in its paradoxical nature makes you think that you're losing something. Are you still here? The problem with grief is that grieving people cause people grief. (laughs) When you're grieving, you will make everybody around you miserable. You, 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 You will make everybody that you come in contact with miserable. Everybody that you have any relationship with or dealing with, every time they deal with you, matter of fact, they may say hi, and as soon as they can get away from you, they're going to move because they don't want to sit there and participate in your pity party. And then you wonder to yourself, well, why is it nobody wants to be around me? Why, why is it nobody calls me anymore? Because you're grieving and you're causing people grief. Are you still here? I'm convinced that many people are grieving and don't even know it. And their grief is making them act without regard for consequence. Because when you're grieving, you are in literally a temporary state of insanity where you don't even know what you're doing. So you'll be mean to people that you really ought not be mean to. You'll talk crazy to somebody that signs your paycheck. That's grief. Or just plain crazy, one of the two. I don't know, one of them, one of them, one of them, one of them. You'll call HR and tell them off, not understanding that HR is going to find some kind of paperwork to do something. When you're grieving, you do things without regard for consequence. And grief, if you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this. Grief is the source of unnecessary failure. It's the reason why teens act out. It's the reason why they, why, why they do all the things that they do. And you think, oh, that's just teenager stuff. No, they're grieving because they're mad at something. And they haven't yet matured to the place. And truth be told, you haven't either matured to the place where you can quantify and speak about your grief in a mature way. So you act like a child. I'm not talking to you because you're straight, but that neighbor of yours, we're going to get them grief free today. It's why relationships fail. Sometimes it's not because God didn't ordain it. Sometimes it's because you've got two grieving people trying to get over yesterday, and they're trying to get over yesterday with both of them in today, not understanding that both of them are stuck in a place called yesterday. And so in their today, they cannot move forward to tomorrow because they're both stuck in yesterday. And so every time he does something, Tyrone used to do that, but he's not Tyrone. But you judge him like he is Tyrone because guess what? You never took the time to heal after Tyrone before you got with Greg. And so now Greg is paying for everything Tyrone did. Y'all not saying nothing. So grieving people cause people Grief and don't feel, don't feel bad, don't feel horrible about it because the truth is, is that all of us have experienced loss, which means all of us have naturally, by deductive logic, experienced grief. Grief is why friendships fail. It's why people miss great opportunities. It's why people are filled with uncontrollable anger and they have outbursts in the middle of a great day. I call it Ike syndrome. They, everybody's at the pool having a good time. Everybody wants you to have a good time because you own that stuff called grief. You 
And you can't even explain why you're blowing up. You just know something inside of me won't let me enjoy my life. It won't let me enjoy today. And so somebody tells you, gives you a compliment. You won't even enjoy the compliment because your grief tells you you don't deserve the compliment. Oh, come on. You're just laying on the couch. I hope you're getting, I hope you're getting, this is therapeutic. And look, you didn't even have to pay $250 up front. That's up. Watch this. The deception of grief is that it hides itself because as humans, we never like to feel weak. I don't care who you are. You could be the most meek and loving and compassionate lamb in the flock, but no human likes feeling weak. No human likes feeling vulnerable. So consequently, uh, we learn to put up all of these walls of masculinity and these walls of, of protection so nobody can hurt me. We don't like feeling weak, and that's the power grief has because you won't even admit that you are grieving because you don't want to feel weak in grieving. Because you don't want to feel weak. No, I'm strong. I've been through worse than this before. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm somebody. But in all of that facade, you're grieving. It's, 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 it's a sniper, grief is. It's a sniper because a sniper, I, 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 a sniper does not walk up to you and say, break yourself. That is a California colloquialism. South Central Oakland. Watts right in there, right in there, right in there. It doesn't walk up to you and assault you. No, grief is a sniper that hides in the woods. It camouflages itself and and then at one moment after it's hidden itself in your life, then all of a sudden, boop! Boop! It sabotages you with one bullet. Grief is unique because the bullet it sabotages you with is that old feelings of grief from a past loss are triggered by current experiences. And so, and so now you make this that because this kind of resembles that, but only to you because you're looking at it through the lenses of grief. So you have a new experience and this experience, you get a shot. And in that shot, it sabotages you. And the, the interesting thing about grief is you can be grieving about multiple things at the same time and be in different stages of grief about those multiple things at the same time. So the problem with some folk, why, 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 they, why they offend everybody they meet is because they are in so many different stages of grief, they don't know what it is to be free. So the real them is an enigma to them because they've never met that person because they've been grieving since they've been a child because they were abused as a child sexually or they were missing their father. And so now they're grieving. And so they're a three-year-old grieving. And it comes out in their behavior. They act out without regard for consequence. And so now they get a little older. Now they're now they got two digits and now they're 10, but they're grieving. 
They're grieving. They're mad. They're angry. Something, something happened. Something's going on and it reflects. And so now because they've not been taught to deal with it because Christians many times are antidote to everything is just, oh, lay hands and put some Crisco. But there's some stuff, baby, you got to be talked through and out of. Some stuff you got to go through the process. David said, though I walk through the valley, which means I cannot abort this valley. I got to walk through this valley. So I got to go through the process. Otherwise, I'll be a 60-year-old man grieving about something that happened when I was 10. So, so, grief, grief is a sniper. I can be grieving about what my friend did to me, and then I'm grieving about the friend I lost in the accident, and then I'm grieving about my betrayal that happened from on my job, and then I'm grieving about the fact that I lost this job, and then I'm grieving about the fact that I'm not really making as much as I want to, and I'm grieving about that because now I keep looking in yesterday trying to figure out why my today is not what I want it to be, and so now I got all these things I'm grieving about. Now, hear me. While grieving is considered by all medical experts to be a process. Hear me. We serve a God. I, I, I guess I ain't going to get no witnesses right there. Uh, maybe you don't serve him, but for the ones that do serve him, just say something to me. We, we serve a God that made us a promise. And the promise is for all the grief you've got to go through, I'm going to repay you with my hand. You're familiar with the hand of God, aren't you? You understand when the Red Sea parted, it was not God blowing through his nostrils. It was God laying down his hand. That's the reason they were able to walk through on dry land because they were walking literally on the hand of God. So he makes us a promise. So hear me. Today, you're on the couch. I'm going to teach you through your grief and out of your grief so you can actually start waking up looking forward to your day. Now, remember what I said. This isn't necessarily for everybody today, but it's going to be for somebody and everybody someday. But it's especially for those whose today is not what they want it to be. Now, say, Lord, give me grace through the process of grief. Now, no, no, watch this. Watch this. There, there are five, five, five steps to that that we're going to get to in a moment. But first, I want to help you identify whether or not you're grieving. Because some of you have already made up your mind listening to me. This is a great CD. I'm going to get this for so-and-so. I know somebody right now that needs this. They are grieving. And you'll miss it yourself. So let me help you figure out whether or not you're grieving. You ready? You ready? You ready? Ready? There are physical symptoms of grief. Physical symptoms of grief. Uh, uh, disturbances in your sleep patterns. Uh, fatigue. You, you're tired and you don't quite know why you're tired because you ain't done nothing to be tired because it's 930 in the morning. Restlessness, nausea, pain, and tension in the body that did not come from P90X, but this tension in the body is just there. It's one thing to have tension if you've been working out. It's a whole other thing to have tension, and you ain't done nothing but work yourself to Krispy Kreme. That, that's another kind of tension. Decreased immune system. You're constantly sick, and you don't know why you're sick, because you sanitize like a madman inactivity you you just don't do anything you you just don't feel like doing anything and you never feel like doing anything uh, or if you have unusual clumsiness uh you, you're clumsy and you can't quite understand why you're always tripping over yourself and you're making the same mistake repeatedly over and over again somebody says don't do this and then you go right back and do the exact thing they said don't do and so you're unusually clumsy that's physical symptoms of grief you might be grieving if you've got that going on 
And while you're sitting there trying to rebuke the devil, God is saying, that's grief. But then there are emotional symptoms of grief. You cry without reason. You wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's 5.30 and you're crying. And you don't know why you're crying. I, just, I don't know. You just, you're, I don't. And fellas, we may, not, we may not cry, but you know, we'll cry. You, you, you know, we'll, we'll keep sweat cry. So we know physically cry, our cry comes out in our conversation. So somebody asks you, how you doing? Oh, the cry comes. You know I'm tired. <laughs> Sadness, fear, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. You, you've got fear about things that you used to not fear, but the feeling of numbness, the feeling of being empty, loneliness, but yet you've got plenty of people around you. You're angry, and you can't put a finger on why you're angry. Feeling helpless or feeling irritable. Sometimes it's not that you're hungry. Sometimes it's that you're grieving. And everybody around you, you snap at and you're irritable and somebody asks you a simple question and they're trying to help you. But yet because you're grieving, you get irritable with them. And then you'll use this tag. That's just the way I am. That tells me you've been grieving for a long time. When you have a sense of observing yourself because you're so numb, you don't actually feel like you're in your body. You feel like you're watching yourself live. You, 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 when you have guilt, when you have guilt, when you have reduced confidence, you look at yourself and you're no longer pleased. And you matter of fact, you're angry with yourself and you begin to develop lowered self-esteem and you have a loss of interest in previously enjoyed activities. You used to enjoy this, but now you don't enjoy that because of grief. Grief, it's, it's, it's a monster grief. Grief manifests itself in a cognitive way. Your thinking, your mindset. If you have slowed thinking or processing, like you're stuck in like 40 minutes ago. And so it's 1230 and you're already supposed to be on your third project of the day, yet you're still trying to just get your emails responded to and so... If you have difficulty making decisions where you're normally a gung-ho, we're going to do this, but now it's a difficulty. Oh, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do this. Uh, if you have mental confusion or false daydreams and flashbacks. Mister, what do you mean false daydreams and flashbacks? You will look back on a horrible situation and begin to try to convince yourself that that horrible situation was good. And you'll look back and say, ooh, wasn't them the good days? No, they wasn't that good. And you're trying to convince yourself of something that's not reality. If it was that good, man, you'd still be there. Cognitive, cognitive, cognitive. That's, those are symptoms of grief. But, but then there's spiritual manifestations of grief. Are you here? Uh, a sense of distance from God. And you feel like no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I worship, no matter how much I attend worship experiences, I still feel distant from him. Or, or maybe you feel angry at him or you feel isolation from him. Those are spiritual manifestations. You begin to isolate yourself from church. I just, I just needed a day for me. And, and, you, and, you, and, and you don't even know you're grieving. Because why would God ever tell you to do the opposite of what he told you to do? He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, you found it was his custom to make sure no matter where he was traveling around the region, he got himself in church. But you isolate yourself. I, I just need a day. I, I, I just need a break. That's, that's grief. But then there's social manifestations of grief. Isolation or withdrawal. You, you, you're sitting in your house and you got the air on about 69 you got all the blinds closed you oh i must be in your stuff 
Oh, yes. For sure. You, you, you got your blanket that you know you need to wash, but... You're under your blanket. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. The lights are dim. You're like a vampire. You don't, don't open them blinds. Leave them blinds closed. Here's what you'll tell yourself. I'm trying to rest. But it's grief. It's grief, it's grief, it's grief, it's grief. So you withdraw yourself. People call you, come on, let's go get something. No, I don't, I don't want to feel like going to get something. I'll pay. No, I'm good. I, I, I had, I had some, some uh, grapes and some, but, uh, earlier. Knowing you hungry. And knowing the, the natural you would show, jump on the opportunity for somebody else to be. Preoccupation with your own feelings and to the exclusion of others to where you're so wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in the way you feel that you don't really care how anybody else feels because it's your party. And you're going to cry if you want to. For married people, you have un, un, unusual and unnecessary marital strife and, and relationship stress. And if you're married, that you don't even desire to have any kind of physical intimacy. Hey, how you? Just going over there. Come on, let's be roommates because I'm grieving. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we're all on the couch. You didn't know you got set up today. But in this and in this experience, just wink at me if you had or are currently having one of those symptoms. Just wink. Wink. There you go. Somebody said, I ain't weak, and I'm going to put my hand up. Now, watch this. Watch this. There are how many stages? Five, but no, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. You cannot defeat an enemy who you do not know. And you cannot defeat something you are unaware of what it is. So what I just did was help you sort through all of the stuff to come up with the real culprit of why you've not felt like you. Five stages. Y'all ready to walk through this? Now we're on the couch. I'm going to mellow my voice just a little bit more. Say, Lord, give me grace during the process. So now listen, clinically, clinically, medically, medically, the first stage of the process of grief is called denial. And denial is wonderful because we get to create our own version of reality. You know, in denial, it didn't quite happen the way it happened. You get to change it. Well, he didn't quite hit me. He had just kind of. She didn't run me over. She was just driving. They didn't really betray me. They was just having conversation about other stuff with other folk. That involved me, but they wouldn't. Yeah, denial. Denial. Denial says this isn't happening to me. To me? Did you know who I am? This isn't happening to me. I'm the chairman of the usher committee. This is not happening to me. I'm the chief archdeacon of the left section of seats. This is not happening to me. I pay my tithes. I go to church. This ain't happening to me. You're in denial. This isn't happening to me. 
this, this, isn't, this isn't happening to me. This didn't happen. This, this didn't happen. And it is in the stage of denial that you will begin to withdraw from social activities and your normal daily routine will become mundane. You get up simply because the clock went off, not because you've got a burning desire to get up. So you know whether or not you're grieving. I'm going to answer your question right now. When you wake up, do you say, thank you, Jesus. This is another day. This is the day you have made. Or do you wake up? Oh, God. It's another day. All right. That's how you can determine where you're at. This isn't happening to me. This, this, this didn't happen to me. This is not happening to me. And you're in denial about it. And in denial, it's very difficult for people to reach you because you're in denial. Denial by itself intimates that one is being dishonest about something that there's proof for that occurred. To deny an allegation is to deny something that there is the possibility of proof that something occurred. So to be in denial is to deny what everybody else can clearly see but you. Especially the people that know you. Are you still here? That's the first step. That's the first step. And once we get through this process of denial, then once we are finally able to say, okay, something did happen, some loss did occur, now we get to the second stage, and this is where the gloves come off, because now we're in the stage of anger. Okay, they did do that to me. Who do they think? I'm not the one. Gonna fire me. Gonna cheat on me. I'm from South Parker. <laughs> Green Valley in the what? What? Five points or two and a half, whatever. You don't mess with me. Now, see, I know too much. I know their secrets. See, I know they stuff. They think they're going to get me. I will tweet about them. I'll Facebook about them. I'm going to call the post and do a st- I'm, what, 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 what. I'm angry. And the dangerous thing about anger is anger is like a pot of boiling water. It only gets hot and continues to boil and to bubble and to bubble and to bubble until it eventually runs out of itself and you're stuck with nothing but a tub or a skillet full of minerals. That you can do nothing with. Anger's crazy because it produces nothing except a feeling of control. When you're angry, that's all you feel is in control. It don't change nothing. It don't fix nothing. You're just mad. And so you take out your anger on everybody. Turn the channel. Did I say turn the channel? Oh, come on, parents. I need to get you out of grief so that before your kids grow up and start to hate you, you can fix some stuff. Because a lot of kids are angry at their parents and they're angry because their parents were grieving and they took their grief out on the people that love them the most. Your children loved you without regard for your actions, unconditional love. But you cause them grief. Because grieving people cause people grief. You snap at your spouse for stupid stuff. Didn't I say you didn't put no butter in the mashed potatoes? The lady at Burger King has to deal with your grief. Every time I come here, y'all, I say, don't put no tomatoes on my chicken sandwich. And y'all keep putting tomatoes on my chicken. Give me the manager. 
Take if it's that serious. I got a simple solution. Go to the Burger King over there. It's deep, it's deep stuff, deep stuff. Anger, watch this, turns into wrath. And wrath now is uncontrollable anger. And you begin to lash out at people for no reason. You don't understand why you're lashing out. And here's, here's what begins to happen. In your anger and in your wrath, you begin to ask the question, why? And the problem with the question, why, is that in anger, you'll never look for the right answer. In anger, you're never going to find the right why. You're going to come up whatever why satisfies your current anger. Okay. Okay. Y'all just falling asleep on the couch. Okay. No, no, you're on the couch to get healed, not to take a nap. Now watch this. You ask the question why. You're angry. You lash out at everybody. And here's what happens when, when your why doesn't, because the answers you'll come up will never satisfy you. So here's what happens during your why. You turn that anger on yourself. And now you're mad at yourself. You're angry at yourself. You look at yourself and you get sick of yourself. Because you're angry with yourself. Because you think, I let this happen. I should have did this. I should have did this. I, I wish I could have did this. And then from this stage, you're set up for the third stage of grieving, which is called bargaining, 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 bargaining. It's where you begin to make deals with God and begin to make deals with yourself. And in the bargaining stage, here's what we'll say. We'll say stuff like this. God, if you do this, I promise you, I'll be about, I'm going to go to church. God, if you will get them for what they did to me, I promise you, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Come on, can we be honest? Everybody in here has asked God to get somebody. And here's what God does to you during the bargaining stage. God is so awesome. During the bargaining stage, he'll let you see them happy. The person that betrayed you, the person that stole from you, whatever it is, he'll let you see them happy. So much so that during the bargaining stage, you'll see them walking in and they happy. And you're like, I'll just go over to Goldman's. I, mean, I don't even need nothing in the mall. I can get it online. I don't even need nothing. Because you begin to make deals with God and deals with yourself. And God begins to, begins to say, now listen, I need to see if you've made progress through this walk. I need to see if you've made any, any, any headway. I, I need to see what's been happening. And it's in this bargaining stage that you are set up for the fourth stage. The fourth, the fourth stage is called depression. Bargaining has made you say to yourself, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Maybe if I would have did this, it would have been different. No, it wouldn't have. It was in them to be that. Maybe, maybe if I would have did this, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe, maybe if I would have did this, I wouldn't have lost that job. Maybe if I would have did this, I wouldn't have lost that loved one. Maybe shoulda, woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, shoulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda. And it leads to the fourth stage of depression. And depression is where you feel like giving up and you don't care no more. So you live recklessly without regard for any consequences to your actions this this is where many of our young people are is because they they do not understand that they're in a process called grief and so in their depression they begin to live recklessly and so they sleep with whoever they want to sleep with they are friends with people they know they ought not be friends with they do things they know they ought not do because they are numb they are numb to the reality of the consequences of actions it's in the depression stage that 
you don't want to be bothered by anybody. It's in, it's in the depression stage that you just say, what's the point? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What, what, come on, what's the point? Depression. Depression lowers your countenance so that somebody asks you what you're doing. And you don't answer from you. You answer from your depression. And the truth of the matter is, is we become so used to becoming professional. Uh, 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 um, let me clean that up. Professional um, pseudo people. <laughs> let me say it another way for those of you. Uh, you. You become so professional at being faux. Not the noodles. F-A-U-X. Let, let me translate so that your name. I want to make sure your neighbor gets it. Uh, it, it, it's not coach, it's goach, it's a foe. It's foe, not real, not real, not real, not real, not real, not real. We come so used to doing that, 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 that we've created another person within a person. So you're one way, because you got to be super sane on Sundays, and then, and then when you get home, and then and the blinds are closed, and you you sitting there watching TV, and, 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 and you got your ice cream over here, and you got your pizza over here, and then you got your chicken nuggets over here, and then you felt like, man, I, what's it worth? So I got me some cinnamon bread over here. You know, when you're depressed, you'll buy extra stuff you don't need, you know, you know, you know. What's the point? Why? Why love again? Why trust again? Why believe again? Why try again? Why? Why? Because it, ah, depression is deadly. Depression is deadly. In Mark chapter 5, just write it down. There, there is a man that is in the middle of depression. He's called the Gadarene demoniac. Y'all still with me? I'm about through. There's only one more stage to the grief, uh, grieving process. And this man... This man, he's grieving. He, he, he's, he's full of bad experiences that have happened to him in life. So much so that all of those experiences have compiled in his life and they now have a name. They are called Legion. He's grieving about multiple things at multiple times at multiple stages. And there's so much going on inside of the man. The man can't do anything but torment himself. So the Bible says he lives amongst the tombs. Tombs are where we place dead things. He lives amongst dead things. He lives in his past. He lives in his yesterday. And the Bible says that chains couldn't hold him. Nobody could control him. Why? Because he had anger. He had uncontrollable anger. Nobody could control him. Nobody could console him. Nobody could speak to him. And so this man is grieving. And so much so that he begins to mutilate himself he begins in this depressive state to think i'll just kill myself because if i kill myself i at least won't have to deal with the pain now some of you are saying bishop but i've never been there wanting to kill myself can i tell you what it's called self-sabotage you you would do things that would produce a result that would end up having the same end result he's grieving he's grieving he's grieving he's dealing with depression and then depression if it's not interrupted can lead to the death of one's soul you're walking but there's nobody home you're talking but there's nobody there you're just numb but that's not where the story stops because Jesus happened to be coming this way. 
<laughs> Aren't you glad that your, 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 your bad day never has to end with a period? I'm glad that every bad experience I've had does not have to end with a period. Baby, I'll put a comma right there and let God write the rest of the story. So Jesus shows up and he, he this man runs to him. This man runs to him and this man runs to him and he says, he says, what are you doing? Why have you come to torment us? Grief is so deceptive that it will make you think that's you. Grief, watch this, is so scandalous that when change comes, it will resist the change and it will look at freedom as torment. That's why some of you, God says, I've been trying to get you free for 20 years, but every time I give you freedom, you look at freedom as torment, so you run right back to the mess I was trying to bring you out of because a good life is torment to you. Jesus, I'm about through. Are y'all here? Jesus, Jesus says to him, what is your name? Watch this. Jesus knew if I can identify it, I can't kill it. What we've done today is have an identification celebration. We've identified why, because here's the truth of the matter. You can have joy in some areas and be grieving in some areas. And you can be having a great day until somebody brings up their name. You look through some papers and see that situation. And all of a sudden, your good day turns into a horrible day. What's that called? Grief. Jesus said, what is your name? Now watch the response. The response is, my name is Legion, for we are many. No, 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 wait, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, uh, I remember an English class where if I start singular, I should probably end singular. How he go from my to we? Because grief became a whole nother version of him. He says, my name is Legion. For we, we've been hurt so many times that we all banded together to create a new them. We've been lied to so many times and dropped so many times and betrayed so many times that we many and we're all at different stages in our process are you still here there literally was a legion hundreds perhaps thousands or more of experiences of loss that had happened to this man where he's grieving about him and it became so much he didn't know what to do but when Jesus came, Jesus said, I want to identify your problem so I can kill him. I want to deliver you from that. But to deliver you, you got to know what you're being delivered from. It's not enough to shout and turn around and praise God and do all of that. And you're not even knowing what it is you're coming up out of. So he says, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. We've been hurt so much. We've lost so much that we've taken control. 
And when he wakes up, we come on. And the only time he has any peace is when he's sleeping. Because every time he gets up, we come on. But I love what Jesus says. I'll tell you what. <laughs> now I know your name, partner. The legion begged and said, Lord, please don't send us where we came from. But send us into a herd of swine. Some pigs that were down by the riverbank. And the Bible says, Jesus said, go. When he says go, the grief left this man. It leaves this man. And it is transferred into the swine. But watch this. Once they get into the swine, the legion make the swine run and drown themselves in the river. Which means had Jesus gotten there 30 minutes later, it would have been too late because the grief would have made the man run down to the river and drown himself. Bishop, you said, but maybe I'm not dealing with thoughts of suicide, but it's called self-sabotage where you do things that end up being just like suicide anyhow. Jesus shows up right. That's what an old song used to say. He may not come when you want him. But anybody ever found out that he'll come there right on time? I'm here to make an announcement to you today that this is your Jesus moment. Where Jesus says, you're not going to have any more grief. Come out of that grief. Touch your neighbor. Say, come out of that. Come out of that. It is once Jesus shows up that I can get to the fifth stage. And five is the number of grace. It's the number of favor. It's the number of the anointing. At the fifth stage, it is called acceptance. And acceptance is where I say to myself, not only did I lose some stuff, but now I got peace about what I lost. And I got a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's at the acceptance stage that you make a decision that life goes it happened I lost it it's gone but life goes on you can't spend any more of your days driving looking in the rearview mirror because that's what grief does grief will make you drive your life but you're looking in the rearview mirror missing the windshield that's in front of you you miss the opportunity that was in front of you because you're grieving about something that's behind you i'm here to tell you if it's behind you it wasn't supposed to be with you in the first place but watch this it's not enough to make the decision to move on watch this watch this I got to do something to prove to myself that I've moved on. Okay, I can see. I, I, I can see. It's, it's not enough to say I'm over the loss. I got to do something to prove to myself I'm over the loss. So maybe I did make a bad business investment and lost everything. Here's proof that I'm over that loss because I'm looking for new ones. I maybe did have to file bankruptcy and lose some stuff, but, but that's all right. Here's some proof that I'm over it. I'm applying for new credit. Not that I'm going to use it, but just so I got it and I can rebuild it. Y'all not saying nothing. Maybe my friend did betray me, but here's proof that I'm over it. I'm open to let God send me some good godly friends. Maybe my spouse didn't betray me, but here's proof I'm over it. I'm not holding somebody new. 
I decide to move on. And I do something to prove it. Here's what most saints do, and here's why they never heal. If it was a relationship that was a mess, they go get in a new one. That ain't what I said. Don't leave here talking about, I'm finna go tonight. Get me somebody, because I'm over there. No, 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 you're missing it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. That's not it. No, that ain't it. No. Oh, Jesus. Shaka-da-da-ma. He's coming in a Honda. Mitsubishi, Subaru, and Cadillac. Now, listen. If I don't heal, the new thing I go into, I will make like the thing I came out of. Let me tell you why some of you keep saying, let me talk to the single folks. Let me tell you why some of you keep saying, it seems like everybody I meet just the same, 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 same. Because you the same. Because you haven't healed. You stuck on stage two talking about I got a new boo. Baby, that don't work. Don't work. Don't work. Married folk, let me, let me help you understand something. They are not them. So if you're already married, you, you need to just have your get to your complete grieving experience complete. Then my bishop, it ain't just going to work. Because two grieving people trying to grieve one another. And grieving people cause people grief. Stand on your feet. Did you get this? It was a little longer than normal, but I think it's all right, huh? Now lay your hands on yourself. Say, Father, in this moment, I choose to give you my grief. It happened. It's lost. It's gone. But I make a decision to move on. I'm not stuck there any longer. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.